Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? Hey everyone, today we are talking about how food impacts mood. So a few episodes ago, I had done an interview with Justina and we talked a lot about food and herbs and natural things to heal. And she gave us an amazing tea recipe to calm kids down or to just even help you calm yourself down, but a great kind of afternoon, evening tea recipe that could be had warmed up, steeped, or even chilled and over ice. But today I want to go into a little bit more about some of those things and some new things that we didn't discuss in that interview. And it relates directly to the the food and gut health and your brain, which impacts your mood. So what we eat, especially those foods that contain those chemical additives or those ultra processed foods or those high sugar foods, anything with like the hormones. pesticides, all of those things, they affect our gut environment or our gut biome. And this is because all of those things are genetically modified. They are science created additives that were designed to help us uh, grow larger crops to, to prevent pests from eating the crops. So it would have a greater yield and it's helped us to do that. The downside to that is because we have more in that sense, we have less in some other sense. So your gut health, your gut biome isn't able to break some of those things down so easily. And by digesting those and having those in your gut biome, it really disrupts the bacteria in your gut. And that has a direct line to your brain. And when that is the case and your gut biome is and bacteria is all unsettled, then it affects your brain and your brain affects your mood. So <laughs> a long chain of things there that are connected, but they are connected. So A lot of our foods in the Western diet would fall into these categories, unfortunately. Some examples would be some of those processed foods that are canned. So canned foods, those sugar-coated foods, those dried fruits that are sugar-coated, even some of those salty meats. Other examples would be soda, any savory, sugary, packed snack foods. That's a lot. You know, they're easy to grab. (laughs) They taste good. They're addicting, but being mindful that they have their downsides. Also packaged breads. Uh, and there's a, there's quite a big connection right now between gluten and dairy in the gut biome. And those two options, the gluten and the dairy known to cause inflammation, and that can impact your, your mood and even how like alert and awake you are, how well your brain is functioning. So trying to do more of those ancient 
grain, ancient strained breads versus the newer packaged breads, buns, pastries, all of those things, even certain fish options that are kind of mass produced in unnatural ways. Uh, just lots of artificial things being added to those things like chicken nuggets and those instant soups. So you might be able to find some of these things that are safer alternatives. Like there are some natural food stores that may have some of these more processed options, but at least they are maybe more <laughs> um, environmentally con con consciously produced. So they are a healthy alternative, though the healthiest alternative is to eat more of the real thing. So the, the meats aren't produced with hormones, the, the produce that isn't produced with chemicals and pesticides. So think more of that organic, real food option. So before we try some of those, excuse me, gut modifying therapies, I think like people will do the probiotics or the prebiotics and they might do pill or they might do maybe like kombucha, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but before even getting to that and trying to heal your gut biome that way, it's fixing our food first. So trying to eat whole foods, avoid those processed foods that are known to cause different types of inflammation in diseases and disorders. A, a good way to help yourself do this when you're shopping at a grocery store is shop the exterior of the grocery store. Anything on the aisles is more likely to be processed and have additives to it. And then when you shop on the exterior, you've got your meats, your produce, your dairy, uh, things like that, that are less likely to be processed, but you've got to be careful there as well. An even better alternative is to do like a local farmer's market where the farmers are local and you know who they are and how they grow their crops and their meats and their things. Uh, or if you don't have time to get to a farmer's market or there's not one nearby, what you might have is something called a CSA. A CSA is a community supported agriculture. So it's basically where the farmers you get to read about them online. You can opt into their shares and they have all different size shares, how frequently you can get them. But typically the shares will run from sometime in May until late November and weekly or biweekly or monthly or whatever you choose, they will deliver you produce that is in season and usually real organic, uh, some even kind of go beyond organic, but they're on the organic stamp. So you, you know where it's coming from. And then because it's coming right from farmer to you and being delivered to you or a location where you can pick up, you're bypassing the middleman, you're bypassing the grocery stores. So you're not paying as much. So you know, costs can be a barrier for a lot of people buying into things that are more organic or sustainably produced. But a CSA is a way for people who maybe don't have the means to do that to get in there. But it's important to know <clears throat> that this gut brain connection is really important because 90% of serotonin receptors are located in our gut. I want to say that again. 90% of serotonin receptors are located in our gut. What on earth does that mean? What you need to know is that 90% of like the happy, calm chemicals are located in your gut. So when you don't feed your gut, things that it can digest easily that disrupts your happy, calm chemicals. And we don't want that. And there's this two-way communication between the gut and the brain via uh, the vagus nerve, the vagus nerve. Uh, so the, this, what they refer to as this gut brain axis. And it 
really helps us understand this connection between diet and disease and, and, and diseases like depression and anxiety and the ability to manage stress, all of that relates to that gut brain access and that two-way communication. Cause what you eat in your gut gets communicated gets communicated up to your brain. And then your brain impacts your emotional functioning, well-being, productivity, sleep, all of those things. So we want to balance that good and back, bad bacteria in the gut. And if we don't, other diseases outside of just those mental health disorders can form as well. So you might have something like asthma, or it could be obesity or diabetes, um, even things like IBS. So we're finding that a lot of those things are, are likely related to stress management levels, your exercise and movement levels, and your food. So if we don't change all three of those areas and we only work on exercising and forget the right diet, we're going to hit hit a wall. All right. So what does this look like for us? What are suggestions for healthier gut health and that improved mood? You want to eat those whole foods. So try your best to shop the exterior of the grocery store, avoid those packaged and processed foods instead of like vegetable or fruit juice juices, especially there's like a fruit juice craze right now. Uh, and even kids fruit juices, try instead increasing intake of fresh fruits and vegetables. Frozen is okay. As long as it doesn't have those added sugars or additives, but the real thing is better than the juice. Cause when you juice the fruits or the vegetables, you lose some of the nutrients that are in there. So just trying to eat more doesn't mean you can't have juice, but supplementing that with real produce as well. Make sure that you have enough fiber. <laughs> That's super healthy. So whole grains, legumes, all those things to help you get enough fiber. You are going to want to try and kind of naturally eat those probiotic rich foods instead of supplementing with a supplement. So something like yogurt would be helpful for that. Also being mindful too that cortisol levels are the highest in the morning and that eating a lot of sugar right away. The first thing in the morning doesn't help with lowering those stress hormone levels. So trying not to have a lot of sugar first thing in the morning, if you want like a sugar alternative, maybe doing something like cinnamon, because cinnamon makes things feel a little bit sweeter, or, you know, if you can avoid that raw sugar and do maybe more honey, because honey has some other health benefits or maple syrup, or even something like monk fruit, uh, sugar as a replacement for sugar. Fermented foods are great as well. So think sauerkraut, kimchi, pickles. I mean, there are other kinds of, of fermented foods as well. You can get at most, most grocery stores, most health food stores, just ways, again, to help balance out your gut health. Also helpful to try and reduce red meat and eat a little bit more of the lean poultry, um, poultry and some of those seafoods as well, but be mindful of where your seafood comes from. So wild is best, more expensive, but also the cleanest. And then just think about kind of eating the rainbow. Like there are uh, many different fruits and vegetables that fall into all the colors and spectrums of the rainbow. So trying to include a lot of those to get balance and get all of the nutrients and resources from all of those different types of fruits, vegetables, foods, all of that stuff. So that takes me to Robin O'Brien's TED Talk. Robin O'Brien 
is probably the, the, re- the leader in food research in the U.S. And she has an amazing TED Talk. So if you Google Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, O'Brien, with a hyphen between the O and the B, Robin O'Brien has multiple TED Talks, but one of her really awesome ones is the one from Austin. I think it's maybe 2011. And she talks about what we did to the food in the U S in the last like 20, 30 years and how it's changed. And then research on how we found that the the changing and adding of these things or taking away of these things caused these other issues and why we have so many different food allergies and mood related problems and all of these things. So really helpful to check her out, check out her Ted talk. It's in Ted talk. So it's under 20 minutes. I think it's 18 minutes long. It's absolutely worth a listen. So I highly recommend that. And in her Ted talk, she talks about something called the dirty dozen and the clean 15. So the dirty dozen are the, based on research and testing the skins of produce, the 12 foods that are really the worst to buy conventionally. So just mere standard grocery store, not organic. These, these particular foods have the most chemicals and pesticide residues on their skins. So you've got strawberries is number one. Strawberries every year is almost always the worst. And this, this is reproduced every year. So the list I'm reading to you is 2021. Almost always strawberries is the highest on the list. And then you've got number two, spinach and kale, collard greens and mustard greens, nectarines, apples, grapes, cherries, peaches, pears, bell and hot peppers, celery and tomatoes. So when you think about some of those foods, I think the reason that they have the most chemicals and pesticides, their skins are, are thinner and they're easier to penetrate. So by spraying them with different things, we can kind of preserve them and help them to grow and help for pests other things not to break their skin and destroy them. So usually some of those softer skinned foods typically have more of those chemicals and pesticides, but EWG, who is the producer of this list also does a clean 15 and the clean 15 are the best, uh, most cleanest foods to buy. So eating more of these, but also knowing that if you weren't going to buy these organically, these would be, I wouldn't say okay to buy conventionally, but better than the dirty dozen to buy conventionally. So you've got avocados, sweet corn, pineapple, onions, papaya, sweet peas, especially frozen ones, eggplant, asparagus, broccoli, cabbage, kiwi, cauliflower, mushrooms, honeydew, and cantaloupe. So when you think about all of those things, think about the skins on those are much thicker. So it's harder for things to penetrate and get into the inside of those, which is why it's safer to have those things. All right. That's a lot of information, a lot of listy things, but just giving you some information about food impacts uh, your gut biome and what you can do to heal your gut biome and what kind of we can eat to help our brain function most optimally to enable us to have a you know positive mood or neutralized, balanced diet, gut biome and mood. And that takes us to today's listener question, which is how can I best serve children in need? Completely unrelated to our topic today, but (laughs) still a very important thing to discuss. The first thing I would do here is determine what the need is. So we know they're in need because they're probably showing us signs, whether that be communication or behavior. But I did five episodes a couple weeks ago on the different needs areas. And there's a five different needs areas and kids' behaviors and 
things can be categorized into these needs areas. And when, when we categorize them in there, then we know that they have, they have a need for that. They are not getting enough of that, or they have an unmet need. So then we can work on putting interventions in place that meet those needs. So for example, here, let's say a child has a loss of control somewhere, something happened, or it is still happening, or it's chronically happening. It's chronic stress. Control keeps being taken away. It could be just in the home setting where they don't get to make any choices for themselves. And someone is always telling them what to do. So naturally they will seek control in other environments. So maybe when you're interacting with them and you want them to make a transition, they don't make the transition well. So then we need to think about, okay, if their need is control and that, that control need isn't getting met, how do we meet it? What can we do to meet the control need? Well, we can give them some power and control over how to transition or when to transition. So thinking about what, what are the different needs and you've got control, you've got physical needs like sleep, food, water, shelter. You've got sensory need. You've got attachment, attention need, and emotional regulation need. Those are the five needs areas. I do go into much greater detail about them in prior episodes. I also have a whole course designed around these needs areas. So check those out if you want to learn more about them, but define the needs first, then put something in place to meet those needs and then try and meet them with love and understanding and compassion and validate their feelings, even if we don't agree with their feelings. I mean, the greatest thing that we can do really is just be there for them, be present, and then communicate with the entire team about what the needs are and what you're learning and what you're putting in place so that everyone can be consistent across different settings and different platforms. All right. That takes us to the last step of the podcast, which is our try at home tip. And the try at home tip is to play a game called yes. And which works on that strengthening of that thinking brain, that wise owl, that prefrontal cortex. It's, it's a type of kind of mindfulness and presence activity where it strengthens, strengthens that part of the brain but, brain, but it also works on impulse control. So for kids who have impulse control concerns, this is a great thing to try. So basically one person, you can play in a group of two or three or four or more, but someone starts with a statement like, it's a cold day here in insert place that you're at. And the next person then says, yes, and, and they add something else. So if it's, you know, talking about cold day here in the mountains, the next person might say, yes, and I can't seem to find my winter coat. And the next person will go and they'll say, yes, and I can borrow my mom's winter coat. And it's yes, and we can go out and use the sleds, you know, whatever it may be, but you just keep going, 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 going. And it requires the person or the child to be present to the last statement and build off of it. So it really taps into their thinking brain. And it's a fun game that kids usually like to do. And and you can get humorous with it and kind of exaggerate. And it's a story. So you don't have to just (laughs) tell the truth or real things that could happen. So it becomes a fun thing to do as well. And that is it for today's episode of returning to us podcast. Remember our try it at home tip, which is to play Yes, and if you have any questions that you want me to answer on a future show, email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or send a text to 717-693-7744. I encourage you, especially with this episode, because you've had so many tiny snippets of information to lock in what you learned by applying it right away. An easy way to do this is to leave a comment or a review below with your biggest takeaway or let us know what you're going to try. And then don't forget to subscribe to future episodes so you can learn more ways to hack that brain of yours. Until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer and thanks for joining me. 
Thank you.